again with a, another podcast. It's uh, good to be back and doing this once again. Um, oh man, uh, this this one's gonna be a little, a little different podcast. It's a, a little sadder podcast. Um, by now I'm sure everyone, um, has uh heard about the the, the shooting in Texas. And uh, everything that went down there, and and very sad, and and, and very tragic, and my my heart goes out to uh, all the peoples in, in Texas, and and uh, those families of the victims um, that were killed, and uh, oh, man, but I'm gonna kind of touch on this today and talk about this a little bit today, because as always, it it seems every time, every time there's something like this happens. This whole debate sparks, right? We know that, and uh, it, of course, the debate about about guns and that we should ban guns. And to be honest, um, I'm probably not going to say anything necessarily that hasn't been said, or anything necessarily new, but I I, I just felt that I I wanted to weigh in on this, um, and uh, I I feel that um, we need to look at this and we need to look at this through the the lens of the Bible, as always. That's that needs to be our number one goal. And anything like this happens, or anything happens, we need as especially as Christians, we need to go to the Bible, and we need to know and and what the Bible says. <clears throat> so we're not gonna do that. So first off, no, guns are not the issue. I'll say it again, guns are not the issue. The issue is a sin issue. I'm going to say that again. The issue is a sin issue, not a gun issue. No matter what we do, all the gun laws in the world, banning guns is not going to change the sin issue. Or the heart issue. The only one that can do that. Is Jesus Christ. And we're going to take a look at at that. And how he changes us. Um, our, our text. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a, several texts here. But. Um, the, our first text. We're going to go to. 2 Corinthians. 14. 5 through 21. And I know a lot of you who, uh, who who may know me, you know I go to this, I find this text many times, I've preached on this text several times, but I, I just feel that um, we're going to go back to it because I think it's very important. So um, we're going to go. And Paul just gives us a great example of what the gospel does. Not only w- what it does for non-believers, but how as Christian, what is our response to it. So we're going to take a look at this. This is what I want to see. I'm going to start in verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for those and rose again. Okay, so he's talking, verse 14 is talking about, for the love of Christ compels us. 
Paul is here saying it's kind of a two thing. He's saying one, Christ's love compels them to do, um, do what they do, and it's also that love. Their love for Christ also compels them what to do. So it's kind of a two two thing. So it says, uh, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. Meaning, well, the one here, one died and then all died, is Jesus. He died for all. And all here is talking about all who believe in him. All who um, repent. Now, repenting means, and we're going to talk a little bit more on in chapter 15 we'll see that a little clear or not chapter 15 excuse me verse 15 uh repenting means to not just stop what you're doing or a sin you're doing it means to stop that sin and then turn towards god okay you stop your sin and then you turn towards god that is repentance we're going to come back to that a little in a second about, because if you just stop, that's just, in a way, that's just moralism. That's not, it doesn't do anything. You need to stop and turn to God. Okay, and then verse 15, it says, And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Meaning, once we are Christ, that we live for Christ. It's, uh, we, uh, uh, Jesus, you hear the saying, Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Jesus is literally our Lord over all things. And we live for him, not ourselves. Verse 16. This is kind of where I want us to focus on. Okay. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know uh, him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things all <clears throat> behold, all things have become new. Now all things okay, I'm gonna stop right there. That's verses uh, 16 and 17. Okay, so from now on we regard no one according to flesh. That means that before you were a Christian, right? Like if, if you are um, if you were a Christian, we, you know that we used to see people, you know, as on the in on the outside, right? We saw saw their looks, we saw um, you know. Their, their strength. We saw fleshly stuff. We judged them by fleshly stuff. We looked at them um, with fleshly eyes, right? And what he's saying now, we stop looking at people that way, and now we see either one of two things. See, we see somebody for, for their soul. We, we see them, um, if they're a Christian, we see them as a fellow Christian. If they're lost, we see them as a lost person. We don't just see them for, for their looks or for their strengths or for the fleshly things. We see people differently. We see them with love. We we don't see them, um, like I said, we don't see them as fleshly. The second part, he moves uh, to, uh, therefore, 
uh, says, uh, now things are uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation, old things have passed away, or things have come to new. Um, excuse me, I went back up here. Even though we have now known Christ according to the flesh. That's the same thing, right? We now don't look at Christ the same way. We look at Christ differently. We look at Christ as who he is. We look at Christ as he is the Son of God. He is God, right? He is uh, uh, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, we see him as who he is. We don't see him as just a good teacher or or anything like that. We see Jesus as who he is. He sees him as our Lord and our Savior. Okay, And Paul is a great example of this. Um, Paul, as we know, he was on the road to Damascus, right? And Jesus literally, Jesus changed him. Uh he and he not only saw Jesus differently, he saw Christians differently. Because Paul was on his way to persecute the Christians, but once Jesus got a hold of him, he changed his heart. He changed his heart, and not only did he see Christians differently, he saw Jesus went differently, and he even ended up in the end. Paul gave up his life for Jesus and following Jesus, and that's a changed heart, ladies and gentlemen. And so we're gonna go. What, what causes that? What causes that change? Now, all these things are from God. Okay? All these things are from God. It is God who changes our hearts. Okay? It is God who changes our heart. And how did he do that? Now, all these things are, are of God who has reconciled himself through Jesus Christ. Okay? How do the he, he how does he change us? Through Jesus Christ. And he has given us himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I'll come back to that. Now uh so how did he give himself or how how did Jesus reconcile? He died on the cross for us. He gave us his righteousness that we didn't uh, deserve. And he took God's wrath and gave us his righteousness. Now, I've heard a story, and I shared this a few times with other people, um, but I, I, it helps us a little bit to get a little understanding um, of, of what Jesus kind of did for us. So there's, I guess this is a true story. This is a story I heard. I heard of this. There's these uh, parents that were getting a divorce. And uh, it was a bad divorce, and little the little boy was in the courthouse uh, courtroom with his parents. And uh, at one point, he came up to his mom, and he came up to his dad, and he put their hands together. And that's kind of a picture of what Jesus did. He took our hand, and he took God's hand, if you will. And and get me, this is just a, a illustration. Jesus did much more. Matter of fact, what Jesus did. He not only, he didn't reach out with little kid's hand, he reached out to us with blood-stained, scarred, nail-scarred hands. And he reached out with one hand, he said, come. Come to the Father. And seeing the hesitation in our hearts, he reached out with the other hand and said, here, take my righteousness and come to the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what changes hearts. 
is what Jesus did on the cross. We cannot do anything to earn our salvation. We need, the world needs, the nation needs changed hearts that only comes through Jesus Christ. And that's it. Now, as Christians, I'm not going to go much more on this, but on, as Christians, what is our, our duty then? Our job, it says here, it says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us to the world of reconciliation. Now when we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in himself. Now, what he is saying now is, okay, now, I, and I always put it this way, what we just talked about, it saves us, right? That was verses 14 through 15, the gospel saves us. 16 through 18, the gospel changes us. About 19 through 21, uh, as, as Christians, if you're not a Christian, this doesn't apply to you. As Christians, it is our job to go and be ambassadors for Christ. And I put it this way before, and I'm going to put it this way again. We have to get out of the palace and go into the world and be ambassadors. And what is our message? As an ambassador, our message is to proclaim the, the message of the king, the king. And what is that message? It's reconciliation. It is to be, that we tell people that they need to be reconciled with Jesus Christ. And we just talked about how that works. It's through Jesus Christ. Put our faith in Jesus Christ from what he did on the cross for us. And he rose again. That's also very important. He died on the cross. He rose again, conquering death. And by the way, he's coming again. But we put our faith in Jesus Christ, repent, and uh, follow him. Right? That goes back to verse 15, that we no longer live for ourselves. That needs to be our message. Our message shouldn't be about, now, about gun control. And, and, and I, I hear a lot of people, I hear a lot of people say, well, it's on the Christian side, on the conservative side, say it, it, uh, it's a heart issue. Or it's even they will say it's a sin issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I just said. So I agree with that. However, I, I, I see that they say that. And then five minutes later, they're in there arguing about gun control. Again, I want to be understood and I want to be made clear. I am not for gun control. It will do absolutely nothing. Okay? So do not hear me wrong. I am not for gun control. However, dear Christians, our message is that of reconciliation, not to argue debates about gun control. Okay? It is reconciliation. You want to change hearts and we want to make a difference in this nation and in the world. We do what we are told to do right here by what Paul said. It's we are to be ambassadors. And as an ambassador, like I said before, the message is that of the king. 
Jesus is our king. And what did he say? It lays it out here. To tell his reconciliation. Right? And it just explained everything what that means. So we preach and proclaim the gospel. That's our job. Now, I want to talk about something a little more here. And I kind of alluded to this a little bit. Now, I just talked about the, the liberal side, right? That they try to go with guns, and it's all about guns, and trying to that the government needs, we, we know the argument. I'm not going to get that much deep into it. But on the other side, I, I think with, and I'm not trying to be political here, I'm really not, so that's not my intentions. I honestly don't like politics, or at least try to get into it that much. Um, but I think this needs to be said. Um, we also have, and what I'm going to say on both sides, this is, I realize what I'm going to say is controversial, and what I already say is controversial. Frankly, I don't care. I'm just going to be blunt. I don't care. Um, but I, what I see on the conservative side, and what, what I see that the issue there, is they say, yes, it is, uh, it, it is a heart issue. Okay, a lot of times on the conservative issue they say heart issue, but and, and they say we 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 need to have morals. Great, they're saying yeah, it, it is an issue that's moral. It's not guns that causes its morals. That's great. I'm for morals. However, and, and, and even the Bible, we need to know the moral God or the moral moral laws of God. And and in that is. Thou shall not murder. Why? It's a sin. Okay? It's a sin against God. Now, the law is like a mirror. The law, the moral law of God, shows us uh, that we need a Savior. That we need saving. It's not there to save us. It's there to show us that we need saved. Right? Um, Jesus said, if uh, you hate your brother... You you murdered in your heart, so therefore you sin. No one can keep the law. The only one that has ever kept the law or fulfilled the law was Jesus Christ. We cannot. So yes, we need the law because the law shows us we can't do it. We need a savior. But what the that I feel that the conservative or Republican side does, they stop. They stop with the morals. They just say, well, we 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 need morals and. and and uh, we, we need to uh, enforce morals. Okay? Again, I said morals. But here's the thing. Morals don't save people and don't necessarily change your heart. Like I said earlier, when I was in verse 15, repentance doesn't mean just to stop doing something. It means to turn to God. So simply just stopping something, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. If you have a bad habit or whatever... Um, I've, I've had to stop some stuff that was in my life. That's great. That's awesome. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But the focus on isn't merely, it doesn't save you. And that's what I'm concerned about is salvation for people. Okay? So just simple morals, simple morals do not save you. And again, I want to be clear, I'm not against morals, but it doesn't save you. The second issue that I have, or that I see in all of this, is um, the church, even. Now, the church, a lot of times, will say, 
um, you know, yeah, you need you need saving, um, you know, Jesus Christ, and, and and they'll get there. It's a heart issue. However, and this isn't every church, so don't hear me wrong here. It's not every church, but I do see this. It's starting to. I see this a lot. Um. I I see that in the church that the church is starting to to soften sin. We're starting to soften sin or or how we talk about sin. For instance, uh, there's two words and there's probably more um, that I've heard and kind of buzzwords that I've seen in various places. And uh, it started me thinking a lot. And they're kind of, you know, words that you don't really, you got to kind of pay attention. It's subtle, but it's, it's, it's subtle, but it's softening sin. And those two words that I've seen, and I think there's probably more, is one is brokenness. Okay? We are not broke. We don't need to just be fixed. We need a savior. We are sinners, not just broken. The other one, which is actually even more uh, interesting, I guess, for lack of a better word, is we're uh, our mess. Jesus will come into our mess. We're not a mess. We don't need to just clean up stuff. We need a Savior. We are sinners. We have fallen. We're not broken. It's not a broken world. It's a fallen world. From the time of Adam and Eve... When they sin, when Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan, we are a sinful world and a fallen world. It's a fallen. We have a sinful nature. Okay, it's not broken. I want to read something that uh, Virgil Walker said about this. Um, I saw a, a comment that uh, that he made on uh, Facebook, and it was really good. And I was like, man, this is spot on, and uh, and and. Uh, I just want to read it. So this one gal, I don't know who this is, and I won't mention her name because I don't know who she is. But uh, she said, if Christian songwriters had a had to replace the word broken with words like wretched, depraved, or sinful, then they'd quit singing about themselves. Daryl B. Harrison. Oh, I said Virgil Walker. Sorry, it wasn't Virgil Walker. It's uh, Daryl B. Harrison. I stand corrected. Uh, Daryl is a... Uh, He's a pastor, or he's a speaker, and uh, he has a just, I think it's Just Thinking podcast. Very good. Um, if you see him, listen to his stuff. But anyways, he says this, and, and he says this in agreement with this gal. He says, I'll admit it. The idea that we are all broken is a pet peeve of mine. We're not broken, as if we simply needed to be repaired. We're dead and need to be regenerated. Broken people need a fixer, not a savior. They need self-applied glue, not vicariously applied blood. Amen. Amen. And we're going to take a look at this. And he's not just saying this. This is a biblical principle that, that we heard. Um, it says, this is Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. It says this. <clears throat> and you he made alive who were dead in in trespasses and sins in which in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of power 
of the air, the spirit who now works in the son of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were, were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. And here's the key, ladies and gentlemen, one of the probably the best two words in the Bible. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, again, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ. Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which prepared before the hand that we should walk in them. Okay, so as I noticed, I, I read the full thing just to give us a lot more context. But it says uh, here in um, verse 1, it says, Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay, did he say who were dead in their brokenness? Nope. Did it say dead in their brokenness and their messes? No, it says trespasses and sin. Dear church. We need to say it. It is sin. Not, don't soften it. We look around and we wonder why all this stuff is happening in the world. And then I think sometimes we don't look at ourselves or in the church. And by the church, by the way, I want to mean the church. I mean the body of Christ. And I mean pastors, teachers, Christians in general. Don't soften sin. God didn't. It's in his word. It's the word sin. Don't soften it. Don't use any other word. And you say, well, Joseph, this is kind of trivial. No, because if you don't, as I've heard many people say, words have meaning. Okay? Words have meaning. If you use other terms like messes and brokenness, it, it softens it. It makes it sound like we can save ourselves. And to be honest, it almost sounds it's a little bit victim. Okay? It's a little bit victimizing ourselves. And, it, and it's like, oh, well, I'm broken. No, we are sinners. Say it. Sinners. We're not me a mess. Jesus didn't come up. Um, I, <laughs> he didn't, I, I work in, uh, at a, at a hospital. I work in a housekeeping. Jesus didn't come with his little broom and just sweep us up. No. He died on the cross for our sins. In, in matter of fact, I'll be honest. If if you're saying what that anything else, you're cheapening what Jesus did on the cross. I'm gonna say it again. You're cheapening what Jesus did on the cross. Please stop. It's sin. Call it sin. Okay. I, I, I'm not trying to get worried, but it but it just irritates me because then we saw all, all this stuff and then it's like all, all this stuff going on in the world and, and all this stuff and, and what are we, and we wring our hands. But ladies and gentlemen, as Christians, as we just read, we have the answer. 
We we do. We have the answer. Now, I want to be clear on something. We can't change people's hearts. Right? We just did that. And I don't want to repeat myself. Only God can. But we are to go out there and to be ambassadors and proclaim the gospel. You want to make a difference? You want to change things? You're tired of this happening? You're tired of seeing our kids, our young kids getting shot up in schools? Go out there. May this motivate you and go out there and spread the gospel. Don't just advocate for gun control or for 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 gun rights or whatever. Go out there. You can you are obligated as a Christian to go out there and preach the gospel. We just simply need to go do it. Okay? Preach the gospel. But no, it's not a gun issue. It's a sin issue. Let's pray. Our Father, we do come before you, and our hearts are broken about this situation. Lord, there's so much stuff and so much um, confusion, so much uh, hostility. Lord, first off, I just pray for um, these people and, and their um, families, and, and even the, I pray for, for the victim's family. Um, Lord, I know they, I believe they lost two people, um, him and I believe his grandma, and uh, our hearts just go out. But Lord, I, I, I pray for those victims, and I pray not only just for healing, but for salvation through this. Lord, and I, and I pray for us as Christians, that we would be bold, and we would proclaim the gospel. And and only the gospel, and to be able, willing to share it with each, with other people and proclaim it and shout it from the rooftop, and that we would no longer, as a church, would be soft on sin, but we'd call it what it is. But Lord, I I, I pray that we not just call it what it is, but Lord, we know that there is hope, and you are the answer. Jesus is the answer to sin. That's the answer. And we thank you so much for him. In Jesus' name, amen.